I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing The Echoes Podcast. Today, we're going to plug into one of the signature albums of the 20th century, Wendy Carlos's Switched On Bach. Released in 1968, it's the album that put the Moog synthesizer on the map and launched the long career of Carlos in electronic music. I've interviewed Wendy extensively over the last four decades, and I draw upon those conversations for an in-depth look behind the signature work. Before we get to that, I want to let you know that in order to bring you the great interviews and features like this for free, we need your support. If you're listening to the Echoes podcast, you already know that you're listening to music outside the mainstream, music you don't find on commercial and even most public radio. For us to bring these new discoveries and old discoveries as well to you, we need your support. So go to our website at echoes.org and make a donation and if you want to sponsor the podcast or the radio show go to echoes.org and click the support echoes tab and now let's plug in and turn on with wendy carlos's switched on bach Nineteen sixty-eight was such a monumental year for music, but as far-reaching as any recording that came out that year was Wendy Carlos's Switched On Bach. Switched On Bach was the herald of the future and made Robert Moog's invention synonymous with synthesizer. All right, if I can be boastful for a second, it seems that each of my records had been a sort of a pioneering attempt of some kind of another. Switched On Bach was the first real synthesizer record. I've interviewed Wendy Carlos several times over the years, beginning in 1982 for the radio show Totally Wired and continuing to 1999. Every time I visited her home in Manhattan, the technology has changed as she explored the latest digital inventions. But the old Moog modular system she used for Switched On Bach was still there, even if it was gathering dust. Her cats would walk across instruments that were ancient, new, and expensive with no concern for any of that. Yes. Peaky, you don't have to do that, honey. Peekus, come here. Come here, Peek. See? Nice kitty. No. Stuck to several vertical surfaces in the studio are post-it notes with musical ideas, concepts, and sketches. That's my collection, like my notebooks. Remember, like Beethoven kept a notebook, and Prokofiev did also. And so that's a lot of embryonic ideas. She throws them away, but I made her give me one on my last visit, which I have framed. This is history, just like Switched on Bach is history, although for many, it's a living history. Matt Quayle, who scores TV's Mr. Robot, was only five when Switched on Bach came out, but he remembers it. Probably the very first electronic album I ever heard was Switched on Bach. I was probably not even 10, and I, I remember listening to that. The cover is like sort of etched into my brain. The Moog modular synthesizer and, and Bach sitting there playing it. Those pieces of music by Bach, of course, are wonderful. And then um, the electronic renditions of them just captured something 
that I found really interesting. I mean, it was emotional and it certainly expressed the essence of the pieces, but it was just, it was different. You know, there was this sound that was not something I'd ever heard before. Like Quail, Wendy Carlos remembers her first electronic album. I got a record that I had seen advertised, I'm sure in some uh, record magazine, of the music of and sounds of the RCA Music Synthesizer. And for the next few years, I was simply in awe of this record. It was most mysterious, and yet I had an idea of how it was done, and I really wanted to see if I could ever find any devices that would allow me to fool around in the same way. Now approaching 79 years of age, Wendy Carlos got in on the DIY floor of electronic music, working in a home studio in the 1950s. In the 60s, she entered Ground Zero at the Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Center. There she composed academic atonal works like Variations for Flute and Electronic Sound. But she saw that as a dead end. How many clusters can you stand? How ugly can you make your music? Huh? You know, how dissonant and, and fragmented the rhythms and, and uh, I, you know, at some point it became self-defeating. And when there was nothing but one square inch of floor left you could stand on, and all the rest of the floor was forbidden because people had stood there before, it was paralyzing. She tried to become a rock producer and composer, but that didn't work out either. I had left uh, doing serious music because I thought that I could do rock and roll. And, uh, you know, I knew what the Beatles were up about right then, and I had written a lot of popular tunes that sound right now in that funny way that um, I had heard other people doing it. Classical musicians cannot write rock and roll. Unless you happen to have grown up doing both disciplines right through your life, it's somehow foreign to you. Then came the Moog synthesizer. Beginning in 1964, she worked with Robert Moog on developing the instrument, and then, on a lark, she decided to record a couple of Bach pieces to present her future collaborator, Rachel Elkind. What had really happened is I had done as a stunt a couple of Bach two-part inventions just because I liked Bach and it seemed, you know, gee, two-part inventions, that's two lines. One overdub, okay, that's something we can handle with, you know, this is going back before eight-track tape. And I brought it to Rachel, who I was trying to interest greatly into producing records with me. She flipped over it and wanted to do an entire album of it, and I was appalled. I thought, no, no, this is a stunt. We should do this as like the last album and call it the electric music box and have the sound of winding a ratchet and then click and then a, a whir and suddenly you play. I thought of just, you know, sort of a joke, a, a show-off kind of a stunt.
They got some Bach scores and set about recording Switched On Bach. Released in 1968, it quickly became a phenomenon, turning a whole generation onto the possibilities of electronic music. It earned a platinum record and went to number eight on the popular music charts. Switch on Bach was a sensation and a controversy. Suddenly, there was an album using a synthesizer that wasn't special effects or avant-garde dissonances. To the layperson's ear, it was just musical. And that led organizations like the American Federation of Musicians to try and ban the instrument. People thought the synthesizer was a computer and that it created the music. For some reason, people thought the Moog was a computer. And I guess when Bob built the uh, sequencers, well, you'd actually see this hurdy-gurdy, galloping-gurdy, or whatever you want to call it, of lights flickering, flick, 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 right from left to right, left to right. It looked to people like um, what a, a bad science fiction movie might do if they needed to build a prop, which was the computer, you know, this monster that's going to take over the world or some nonsense. Um, I, I got irritated about it in the old days. Today, computers often do make the music, but 50 years ago, electronic music was a lot of work. Going back to Switched on Bach, if they had come into the studio when Rachel and I were working and tried to stay awake for several hours, days, whatever they could have stood, that point of view would have changed very fast because you would see immediately that not only uh, is it that if you take ten musicians for one hour, now I have to work ten hours for one musician type of way, but that's much slower. You have to sit there and do the job that the instrument maker would do, do the job of the orchestrator, do the job of the performer and 802 didn't understand that and so got frightened because indeed it does sound appalling to think of replacing every one of their people with one person sitting in front of one piece of sophisticated computer equipment. They even thought it was computerized then when it wasn't and uh, somehow taking the bread off of their tables. I wouldn't like that and I don't think anyone else would. But since it wasn't what was happening, it seems like a rather foolish tempest in a teapot. Although Carlos was trying to replicate the timbres, intonations, and nuances of orchestral instruments, quick listen to Switched On Bach reveals that it's not even close. And it's in this failure to replicate that Carlos came up with the sounds that make Switched On Bach so fascinating, so new, and of the future. In all honesty, the first record's sounds came about, in many cases, by attempting to go as close as I could to synthesizing some acoustic instrument models. And where I failed, where the technology didn't permit you to go any further, you ended up with a fairly interesting sound. The sounds Wendy Carlos got from the Moog are hand-wrought and 
individually crafted, but due to the technology, Switch Sandbach is an album of its time. But to me, that's also its charm. You're probably getting yourself into big trouble if you think you can get away from the dateability and try to write in a more cosmological sense. I doubt very much that that can be done since we're calling upon resources within our humanness and our humanness is very much more temporal, very non-cosmological. Wendy Carlos's Switched On Bach is beyond being dated and has attained the hue of the classic. Carlos would go on to compose acclaimed scores for the movies A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, and Tron. And her solo albums included the first ambient recording, Sonic Seasonings, and her world music electronic album, Beauty and the Beast. All important works, but all made possible by Switched On Bach, which turns 50 in October. Currently, there aren't any of Wendy Carlos's albums in print, including Switched on Bach, but there are used ones all over. We have some links to them in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. On that same posting, I also have a link to an article I wrote a few years ago about four essential Wendy Carlos albums. Next week on the Echoes podcast, it's another flashback 52, Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland. It's in my top five all-time albums and was a flashpoint of innovation and great songs in 1968. I have interviews with Jefferson Airplane's Yorma Kalkinen, Dead Can Dance's Brendan Perry, Wilco's Alex Klein, and more reflecting on this last great album by Hendrix. I'm John DiLiberto. Thanks for tuning in to the Echoes podcast. See you next week, tonight, or online, right now, on Echoes. Hooray, I awake from yesterday. 